today, one of our podcast friends, uh, Ellen Clagis, is going to chat with us. How are things out in San Francisco, Ellen? Oh, you know, hunkered down. It's uh, it's kind of like a ghost town. I go go for a walk when I don't, and and all of my neighbors are very respectful. We all like go to the other side of the sidewalk and nod at each other, but it's it's very strange. Is there a sense of fear that people cross the sidewalk in order to cross the street in order to avoid seeing other people? I don't know. It, it's some combination of fear and etiquette that that you 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 don't you know you don't use the 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 right fork and people will think less of you. Maybe all etiquette is fear, but in this case, I think it's everybody sort of being respectful of of everybody else's boundaries. And if you do get too close, if I get too close to somebody else, I think there's an element of fear that there wasn't two or three weeks ago. You know, you, you, you don't usually get close to somebody in the street. And if somebody bumps into you in the supermarket, you're kind of annoyed, but you're not afraid. Right. And I can understand I think that, that sense of annoyance has turned into fear that when somebody gets within your personal space, it's not just rude it it's could be life-threatening yeah that is unnerving well let's get started with our, our questions and we can we can follow up on our mutual paranoia afterwards but what we're really talking about in these podcasts is what do you do what do you read what do you think other people should read so the first question is what are you reading now and what do you think of it well, I just finished binge reading six books that Jonathan recommended by a guy named Adrian McKinty. Uh-huh. And they're all set in Northern Ireland. And Jonathan was raving about them on Twitter. And I thought, OK, and downloaded the first one onto my Kindle. And I think it took nine or ten days to read all six of them. Wow. Uh, so I just, yeah, I just raced right through them and then... And they were really, they're mysteries, they're set in Northern Ireland. Um, and then I got done with them, and one of them was a locked room mystery. And so I spent one afternoon researching the history of locked room mysteries. Oh, really? And thought, well, that would be kind of an interesting subgenre to explore. And so one Saturday, I I read read a couple of articles online about locked room mysteries, and and I now have a pile of locked room mysteries um, I just finished yesterday. I do not recommend this book. I recommend it's a Hardy Boys book called <laughs> While the Clock Ticked. It's from 1934, and it's part of its 1934ness is amusing because it's about as sexist and racist and and really not politically correct as I'm anything sure. I've read recently. Um, but it was a locked room mystery, and I it took me about an hour to read it. Um, I've got an Ellery Queen from about that same era called the Chinese Orange Mystery. Okay, that I've heard of. This is supposed to be a really good locked room mystery. And I managed to find a copy online that's like a, a hardcover with a dust jacket, and it was two bucks. So it's kind of a cool cover. Um, I haven't read that one yet. Um, and then this I have an Otto Penzler collection of that's literally called the Black Lizard Big Book of Locked Room Mysteries. Oh, really? So I don't know if, if this is all in service of maybe trying to write one or if it's just 
amusing. But that's I read. So yesterday I read the Hardy Boys. I neither recommend it nor think that this will, you know, gain me any kind of literary notoriety. Sometimes it's useful to read uh, historically. Well, I wouldn't say that's historically important, but historically revealing works just to just to make us realize how far we've come in young adult literature and kids literature and that sort of thing. I mean, I'm sure the Nancy Drew uh, roadster novels from the 30s and 40s probably are not much better. Oh, these guys have a roadster, too. But my favorite thing, my favorite thing is in the back. It says, have you ever thought why you get so much fun out of reading the Hardy Boys series? It's probably because the Hardy Boys are fellows like yourself. They like action, plenty of it. Um, they like a wisecrack almost as well as they like Aunt Gertrude's cooking, and because they think girls are all right in their place. In their place, absolutely. And in their place is actually set off with an M dash, and it's italicized. So. So obviously the Hardy Boys, you're, if you're a girl, you're not supposed to be reading the Hardy Boys at all. You should be sticking with Nancy Drew. Um, right. But. And all those things were written by the Stratemeyer syndicates. So but there was I, somebody's done research on this, I know, and probably will let us know if they hear the podcast. But there there was a woman who wrote a lot of those things. And I can't remember what her name was, but she they all the, the one who wrote under the uh, name of Carolyn. What was it? Carolyn, Carolyn Keene. Keen. Right. Carolyn Keene. Yeah, I have I have a stack of Nancy Drews, too, that I'm I, I've been accumulating in in the service of a kid's mystery that I may write someday. Um, but the, the Hardy Boys was just because it was a locked room mystery. And and it was. And, yeah. And it was not a great one of its kind. Um, well, OK, let's move on to our next question, which is. Uh, apart from what you're reading now, what would you recommend people read during these hard times? But not any book. <laughs> but that's what everybody's reading. Everybody's reading Defoe and they're reading Camus and they're reading uh, the, the Cameron even. Yeah, I don't I somehow, you know, books about I would I would recommend you don't read about politics or medicine at the moment. Um, or yeah. plague or dystopian. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of steering away from dystopian novels, and um, I don't know. I mean, I I have always liked mysteries and thrillers, um, so that's kind of where where I'm I'm going. And I don't know that mm-hmm. that I have I have any. I, and I'm blanking, of course, completely on specific recommendations. Um, Historical fiction seems comforting at this this moment in time, um, you know, back to a day when we were not. I can't remember what cacocacy. There's a, a political term that I, I use on Twitter this week that is is literally a, a term of a government run by the least qualified people. Okay, well, there was the old movie called Idiocracy. Um, yeah, this is this is a, a term that dates back to like seventeen seventeen. There was a, there was a Greek a Greek term called kakatopia, K A K O. Yeah, which, and it's kakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakakak
for for that. Um, but yeah. Um, but you're right about historical fiction. I mean, one of the maybe one of the lucky people uh, during a hard time for for reading is is Hilary Mantel because the third of her Wolf Wolf Hall books is coming out exactly at a time when a lot of people want something completely remote and pretty long and engaging. And it sounds like it's a good novel. Yeah, I mean, I think I I'm I'm sort of going for escapist literature. On the other hand, I'm I'm also watching a lot more TV than I am reading. Mm-hmm. I've been watching, I've been binge watching just endless episodes of Chopped, um, which is a cooking show that my sister adored. And when we were spending time together in October, she said, yeah, Chopped. And I said, what's Chopped? She said, oh, oh, and pulled out her laptop and pulled up an episode. And, and we sat there and watched it. And I was like, well, yeah, that was entertaining. And then I came home and found out that Hulu had... I don't know, 47 seasons of it or something <laughs> like that. And so I thought, well, Mary thought this was interesting. I'll watch one or two. And I can't remember how many I've watched since October. Probably close to 200. Wow. Is it something where you actually do you actually try these recipes when you see them on TV? They're not recipes. It's The conceit of the thing is oh. is that you open a basket and you have four entirely unrelated ingredients and you have 30 minutes to make something tasty out of it. Um, huh. And some of the participants are professional chefs, and some of them are kids, and some of them are the one I watched last night was sitcom moms, so they were actresses, <laughs> and sometimes they're all like firefighters or something. But Mary said, and the way Mary introduced it, my sister introduced this to me, was she said, yeah, I'll open my refrigerator door and, and stare at things in the fridge going, okay, what's in my basket tonight? What can I make out uh-huh. of leftover tuna casserole, a can of Coke, um, a, a withering zucchini, and a jar of, you know, maraschino cherries? And, yeah. And, and it, it is, it's really, it's probably very apropos for the hunkering down times because I have gone to the grocery store twice in the last three weeks and mm-hmm. I stocked up on the things that I knew I would want. But, you know, you you run out of things. And so you go, oh, I'm going to make. Oh, I don't have any of that. Oh, and I'm yeah. socially unacceptable to go to the grocery store for like one item. So and nothing, nothing delivers at the moment. I mean, you can get takeout food in San Francisco uh-huh. delivery, but none of the grocery services, they're backed up like three and a half weeks. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I so mean, anything you want now. So I, I look at what I have and go, okay, so I've got some frozen peas and half a piece of chicken and something else. And what can I make of this? So I think my cooking has gotten a lot more creative. I think so. Yeah. Um, but okay. And let's, it's, a let's, guilty, it's a it's a guilty pleasure, you know. It's one of those. Third question: We're asking everybody, what what do you have out in the world now, or things that we might look forward to? Um, what do I have out in the world now? I've got a a, a story coming up in the Book of Dragons, which Jonathan edited, uh, uh-huh. that we hope is coming out in July. Um, and. I am not working on four different projects. 
in that way of writers. Um, one of them is a kid's book that I think might be a little bit of a mystery, um, which is why I'm reading the locker room stuff. One of them is a novella that has a completely absurd thing, which is all I've got of it so far, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out if I can if I can make it work at all. Although I have a title for that one, which is called Premature Souvenirs, um, and that's all I've got. I've got that's a title. A title. Well, no, you, 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 you should certainly mention that out of out of left field is still out in the world, and that's. Uh, it's it's your own genre. Out of the world, out of left field is not is not science fiction or fantasy. It is a kids book about uh, the space program and and Little Rock. It's set in 1957 and uh-huh. the history of women baseball players. Uh, and and it is an, a a love story to doing research. Um, and Passing Strange is is still out there. It's been out there now for four years, three years. Um, and it's if you like. Um, historical stuff and kind of guilty pleasures. I so that recommend sounds... it. It's it's a novella from Tor.com, so it's a short read. But so I'm working. I'm I'm playing with a novella. I'm playing with a memoir about my sister Sally, which I've been playing with for uh-huh. years. Um, I'm playing with the idea of of a, of a kids book, um, and I'm playing with the idea for a short story. But that one I don't even have the bones of so i'm i'm sorry that i'm not in the middle of something right now because <laughs> because i have all of this time on my hands and no social life whatsoever um and and i live by myself so it's me and the cat um so if i was in the middle of something i would probably be hunkering down and and going oh oh but i hate starting things i so can understand that bits and pieces of, of starting things on the other hand, I completed a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle in six days, so go me. And you read, and you read what a half dozen uh, McKinty mysteries. And I and 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 two locker room mysteries so far. Yeah, I've read I've read like eight eight nine books in two weeks. So wow. and watched a buttload of TV um, and done a jigsaw puzzle. And I've ordered two more jigsaw puzzles because the jigsaw puzzle turned out to be fascinating in a really weird way. Oh, okay. add, add that I'm thinking of writing an essay on jigsaw puzzles, which may not happen and may turn out to be the most boring thing I've ever thought of. But the, <laughs> in the moment, in the moment, the, the actual process of, I mean, when you get down to the end and you're going, okay, it's got a green head and it's, a, it's in the little dancing man shape. And so there might be something there. Or I might just, might just write myself five pages of, of neep about doing a jigsaw puzzle and put it into a, a, a book later. Or maybe I put a jigsaw puzzle into a locked room mystery. There you go. There you go. Although, okay. Well, we're we were way past our 10 minutes. So uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I went no, on. no, no. It's, it's, it's fun. Uh, again, our guest today has been Ellen Clagis. This has been of a Cood Street podcast.